2: This week's episode is is sponsored by She Leads Network. Behind every successful woman is a tribe of other successful women who have her back. She Leads Network is a premium network and collaborative space for high-impact, ambitious women and leadership like you, ready to take center stage in your life and commit to developing your confidence and courage as leaders. There's nothing more powerful than a community of strong, like-minded women working together to achieve their goals. Learn more and register to join this growing community by clicking the link in the show notes below. This is part of one of this week's episode and it can be triggering for many. As always, thank you so much for supporting the kid and until next time everyone, later.
0: Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional Homegirl. Professional?
2: been from the phd podcast the only place where you would hear interviews from black women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics now if you hear someone that sounds familiar mind the business that pays you child if you like the phd podcast please rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts. please five star reviews only hold me down don't hold me up merch is now available on the site as well as my book list so please make sure you visit the link in the show notes below you can connect with the kid on Instagram at The Professional Home Girl and at the PHG Podcast. If you are on Twitter, please follow me at the PHG Podcast. Now, if you are all caught up with episodes, listen to the bonus episodes by supporting the PHG Podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PHG Podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous. So let's begin this week's episode. I am super excited to speak with my guest today. She is a motivational speaker, author, and advocate and survivor for incest, rape, and domestic violence. She is here to share her story on how she found her purpose through her pain. And I like to say thank you so much for being a part of the show. So, to my guest, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? All is cute. I am tired. We was kicking before the call. Y'all talking about how tired we were. <laughs> <laughs> but overall I really can't complain. I, I took a half a day today, went to go get a little facial. I prepped for this conversation and it just worked on my business. That's pretty much it. The same old, same old. Well, that's really good and thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. Was it hard for you to write your book about your childhood? Um honestly no. The reason why I say that because you know, I've always wrote it down on a piece of paper. I always wrote it down. Almost every day I will write it down and say to myself, one day this is going to be a book. Mm -hmm. So... What were some of the reactions you received from your family and friends once your book was published and you became more vocal about your story? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know. I know. They were so um, oh mad. <laughs> yes, they were so mad. I received so much backlash. I started getting phone calls saying, why are you lying like that? You lying and you B-I-T-C-H just calling me all kinds of names and calling me, you know, telling me y'all that I asked for it and I knew what I was doing. I was provoking men and um So I was assume I, that you, these calls were coming from the men that sexually abused you. It was coming from their partners. Uh it was coming from my family members and friends of the family.
0: So yeah. it came
2: from yes, I got backlash from my family member, like I say, um, friends, some friends from the family and I didn't know that that would be part of you know breaking the silence mm-hmm. so, but I found out and realized real quick I almost remuted because of that because it was just too much mm-hmm. why do you think they was going so hard like do you think like why do you think they was denying it because um I was told that my aunt said that you know People were saying that she could go to jail and and that I was telling the lie and I I really don't know why. I guess because, you know, I had broken silence and that was released off of me and it turned around. I can imagine. And they didn't want that that on them, that shame, blame and just all of that on them. So And it I, makes them look like shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah well really it should have because I mean I wasn't protected at all I'm I'm not gonna lie it was very difficult for me to read your book like it's normally it takes me like a day to read a book especially when it's a certain amount of pages not even a day a couple of hours but I was on train I'm like oh I can't read this like it was just and I saw kids sitting next to me it was just too much for me so I can only imagine how hard it it, or besides you experiencing it I can only imagine how hard it is for somebody to say that you're lying about all these years of abuse (laughs) you know all these years of abuse yes it was you know um, it was very hard yes that because that's a lot of trauma to go through from the age of five until you know I hate domestic violence and that's just a lot of trauma and a lot of people have said that you know some people have said you know baby you've just gone through so much and I just it's just break my heart reading it yeah it, it broke my the, heart what you've gone through mean to you like you were failed, you were not protected where were where were your people you know that's one of my questions i have i was like where, where was the grown-ups like where was everybody at because it's just i just really couldn't just wrap my mind around how you were just taken away by these men and they just had their way like i really just don't even understand how that was even possible uh, because my aunt she didn't know about the um the first two men and everything it bother you when people say why didn't you say something because I always feel like that's a the number one question people ask survivors which I feel like is kind of insensitive yes it bothers me a lot and Ooh. also you was a you was a child <laughs> Right. I was a child. And when I did say something, when I did speak up and speak out at the age of five, I was not protected. I wasn't believed and I was just failed. So my voice muted then from not being protected and not getting the help that I needed when the Mm -hmm. proof was there. So, yes. When it comes to sexual abuse within families, why do you think it's kept as a secret? I think it's kept as a secret because, you know, some of them have gone through it themselves. and Right. And, you know, bringing that back up and, oh, this happened to her. Oh, we couldn't say that, you know, I guess, you know, how it is in certain communities, especially in the black community. What happens in the family stays in the family with those dark secrets and everything. So that's what I feel. You know, I had did an interview with um my first guest. She shared her family history of molestation, and then I had the privilege to interview her mom. And it's literally a generational curse because they went through the same three thing within their families and outside their families. Wow, which was like, oh, yeah, right. And it's because I love speaking to older women. So when I had a chance to speak to her mom, I'm just like, wow, like it's just. It's just so heartbreaking how people want to protect these people that's causing harm, which can later grow into a possibility of them causing harm. Right. And it's very sickening. I mean, people do that. I mean, it, some things happen to my mom as well, so you're right. Some of the things are like a generational thing. It's like a generational curse, a cycle that has to be broken and everything and my mom said she wasn't you know she never told anybody because she was scared Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it happened to my grandmother but mom said it happened to her and I want this stuff to stop yeah did it happen to your mom by somebody in the family she said it did it happened to from like a few uncles a few family members and just people in in the community yeah her growing up and everything and you know just like I said she said she never told anybody she never said anything and I know when you have conversation with your mom because now you're a mom I know it has to be a point where you look at, look at your mom as a woman and you probably had to like, you start to really understand some of the things that she went through in the way that she was with her children. What do you mean? Because I feel like when I was reading, a, reading a story, it's so easy for people to be like, oh my God, why was this girl not protected by her mom? Or how was this girl able, why was this girl, um in these situations that her mom was there. But then when you started diving more into your mom and you spoke about how she had a mental illness and then you get in the backstory about how, you know, your mom was also, is a survivor of sexual abuse. It's like things are starting to add up and she didn't have a fair shot. Right, right. That's right. That's true. Because um, I actually had to re-edit my book because I didn't know some of the things that I know now about my mom until I started, like you said, diving, diving deep in and talking to my mom and having that conversation with her and finding out, you know, that a lot of the things that happened to me has happened to my mom and which created mental illness from the trauma that she, you know, suffered and endured all that um, trauma. And it's just because trauma causes mental illness. It oh, yeah. Mental illness. I mean, you know. It's really an evil spirit. Mhm. And um, and it messed with my mom, and it start to have like mental illness, like bipolar and schizophrenic, and things. Mhm. I mean, I can only imagine. I know. I don't want to jump ahead, but I know you were sharing the story uh, in your book how she went to prison because it's like she kind of like blacked out and was cutting, cutting her guy friend up. Right. She did. did. She no, she she did. But I just felt like um, they sent her to prison. When he was beating on her, he should have been the one to have gone to prison. You know, she didn't. She was failed by the system then as well, because he beat her with a broom until the broom broke in half on her, and so she started. She snapped, and she blanked out and just started cutting him up, and she yeah. spent years in prison, and I was taken from my mom again. You know, when I was growing up, I don't know if you had chances to tell my story, but I was a, a physically abused child, and I remember seeing my mom getting beat up on uh, by men and stuff. So how did that make you feel? Because you have seen in your childhood, like, some crazy situations where, like, I know it had to, like, scare the shit out of you. Yeah, it did. I, I just felt so so hurt I wanted to protect my mama but it was nothing that I could do because I was a child and and seeing watching her beat and jumped on by men it just really hurt. Yeah. I can only imagine. I mean I experienced it, that part too. Could I only imagine how it made you feel like how does that make you feel? For me I I looking back at it now I was definitely like frightened. Like I don't think I ever seen like i never seen people like you see people fighting in the neighborhood or whatever but you know sometimes it'll be it won't be as brutal as what I've seen happen to my mom to the point where you see blood you know right mm. so I think that now that I'm older I mean because we don't have a relationship but I know I think that now that I'm older and I'm you know I'm a woman I'm not a child anymore like I do understand why she is the way that she is because of the things that she's been through in her past. doesn't give it an excuse for how she treated me, but it makes it more, I, I can process it better, if that makes sense. Right. So I know that you are a survivor of incest. Would you say that that's pretty common within your family? Would you say that's pretty common within our community? Yes, it's pretty common. Yes, it happens a lot in the right? community. And um, it's just some sick stuff that your own family member is doing to you and your cousins, whether it's cousins, uncles, brothers so you know it's just it's just some sick stuff and it's not okay and I feel like you would think by now that people would speak just a little bit more about it or do you think it's starting? To, people are starting to shed more light on it? I think they are starting to shed more light on it um, and there are a lot of support groups on Facebook for like you know incest support groups and a lot of people are breaking the silence on incest and shedding the light and talking about it. And also in your book you spoke about your cousin who died from AIDS and that one of y'all cousins used to have sex with her as well. Yes. Growing up he would have um, sex with her come in and at the house and have sex with her. She was a she was just a, a young kid herself and he was old enough to know better not to do those things that he did to her manipulate her and have sex with her and yes yeah. and also I also thought it was it, like it was also heartbreaking to read about how she um how she died right she um got gang raped by some guys and from Greenwood Mississippi and they ended up and and she just it's just sad you know the things that she went through went through a lot of things that I went through you know with the the grown men having sex with a kid with the, the rape but my family of course some of them say it's not I willingly gave it up and I was just being fast and that I wasn't raped or I wasn't molested, but I was, and so was my cousin that, that passed away. Do you feel like you're also sharing her story? The more you share your story, yes, yes, because I talk about it more. Yes, mm-hmm. and she wasn't protected, and she didn't get the help that she needed. Mm. I also feel like because I'm from the south too, and we was kicking about that before our conversation. growing up I also feel like a lot of older people didn't say anything when they would see young girls with older men because that was very common when I was growing up and it was very common too when I was growing up no they wouldn't say anything and me and you were in the same age group which is so crazy to me because people would see you out and not say nothing right I don't know why, but that mentality that they had and the mentality that they have that is not okay for a grown man to have, you know, a child with him or nobody's asking questions. Mm. Some people just don't care. Some people just don't care. Yeah. So before you move in with your aunt, what was it like growing up with your mom? I know you're the oldest out like, of four siblings and she had you at 16. She had me at 16 years old. And it was like, I remember fun days, you know, with my mom and I really, I remember a little bit because um, I was little. I just remember me being happy and us staying like apartment complex. And that was pretty much it because I was taken like when I was, so I really can't remember like so much I remember certain things and certain things I don't remember mm. but uh, I just remember that my mom used to take me to the store and I just used to love being with my mom I always wanted to be with my mom and I know at the age of five and six you and your siblings would split up we got split up because of the, the fight she had with a nigga that was beating her up? I Because I don't know if it was because I was, you know, raped. And mm-hmm. also my mom, she couldn't take care of us. Like, not knowing that my mom was battling her own mental illnesses. And she know, was a front, kid. She was a kid, right. She was a kid with a kid at 16. So she wasn't ready for any kids. And she didn't have that guidance and, the, you know, that role model that, um Back in the days, that mentality that the old folks had had and that they have now is just just messed up. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't blame my mom for anything. I don't fault her, and I tell my aunt, I don't blame her. I don't. I just say I wasn't protected. I blame the men and everything, mm-hmm. and the men, you know, on my mom's end as well. And you were raped at five years old by a man that was in his thirties at your grandmother's house at that age did you know what was happening to you no i didn't know what rape was i didn't understand what it was and i just knew that that man was on me and that he shouldn't have been on me and inside of me i didn't know what the word rape meant i had never heard of it before and how did he know that you were left behind because i know everybody else in your family went to your great grandmother's house across the street or across the railroad rack
0: yeah, right. Right
2: across the railroad trail. Um, he was still there, so when my grandmother and I believe my aunt was there, um, they so lived. He's a and, friend of the family, yes, he was a friend of the family, so he stayed there, so he knew what he was gonna do. He didn't leave, he stayed there, stayed while standing up. And a kid, you know how hard it is to try to fight your sleep, so you're sleepy, so you just fall asleep, even if you're trying to fight it, and so when I went to sleep, next thing I know, I felt something, somebody on top of me with his hand over my mouth, you know, stripping my clothes off and him forcing himself in me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was girl, when I was reading that part, I was just like, oh my God, like, I'm surprised nobody didn't try to like, well, I think you said your uncle tried to beat him up or something or yes, my mom said my uncle tried to beat him up. And but I just don't understand, you know, why he didn't get locked up because he said that he didn't do it, but the proof was there, yeah. Because you had the to learn how to rewalk, there. you had to learn how to rewalk again, yeah. and you said that they were trying to lock your mom up. I'm, I'm just so confused why did they try to lock him up because the evidence was there. The evidence was there. My mom said that they said that nobody, I guess, nobody was. Watching me, or that I don't know if they saying that it was my mom's fault or, or what they saying, but the proof and the evidence was there. I was my mom said I was so damaged down there. The doctor said that I wouldn't even be able to have kids, that I was so damaged
0: mm.
2: and torn. I mean, I can imagine you're five years old, right? Oh my god, and then you also say you ran into him at Pizza Hut, ran into him at Pizza Hut as I got older and I asked him, why did he do that to me? And he said, I didn't do nothing to you. I don't know why y'all folks keep telling you that. I didn't do nothing, but you know, you know when somebody does something to you, you you, you, you know feel a child, it. you yes, you were not. Certain things you just do not forget, especially being touched. Mhm. And cause I, you also described like like, you remember physical things about, him. like, I think he had, like, a scratch or something above his eye or something. He had like, a, you're just not going to ever forget. Right. He has a scar above his eye. He had that scar. And when I seen that man, I, like, started panicking. But I had the courage enough to ask him those things. Why did he do what he did to me? And he said he did not do that. And he doesn't know why. But I know he did what he did to me. And he did it. And he just walked away. He sat down and he ate pizza. Wow. Like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. While my mom been locked up in prison all those years. when He should have been in prison all those years. Mm. Looking back, what were some things that you noticed that changed about you? That... I don't let my past get to me. I don't, you know, I have moments where I break down and cry, but I I don't stay stuck in the past. I am doing things. I'm talking to people and I am just trying to live a life. Right. What did you know uh, about you that changed looking back when you was five years old after the, the assault? Because remember, I remember you kept saying how you was like, happy and you were just, like, you just like to have fun. So what changed about you after that? The moment that he raped me, mm-hmm. the moment, like, when the ambulance was right there, when the ambulance came, there was a shift in my brain. I never forget that shift. My brain went from, I went from a happy kid, this playful little kid, to this press. I, of course, I didn't know what the press was, but I knew I was sad. Um, and there was a shift in my brain that I became someone else. I shut, I literally shut down. I hmm. just shut down completely. So, And that has been with me for a long time. And I'm just now, you know, myself. And I'm 33 years old. And I'm just now, you know, just moving forward and right. not being stuck in the past so I was shy all all that trauma that happened to me all those things that he did to me you know changed my life it really changed me mm-hmm. do you think that you should have received counseling after you were right? Yes I felt like I should have now I do you know of course back then I didn't know nothing about anything. You know, right
1: I, I mean you was a I, kid
2: right so I felt like yes I needed counseling felt like I needed therapy I needed I didn't have any support I didn't I didn't have have any support and being taken away and um I know it's gonna um cut some people but I was just on a I'm gonna be a co-author in this latest book and we were talking and when I was adopted by my aunt and the abuse it didn't stop it never stopped yeah, because one of her boyfriends started to have sex with you and he was thirty. Well, before that I was six I was six when my aunt got me. I say five or six when it happened, but I believe I was five when I was raised. I believe I was six when my aunt adopted me and my baby brother. And um her son, who's now deceased, he started to me, touching me and oh I know she's gonna hear this podcast and um but it's the truth, Ebony. Right, and I say I've always said insist. But as memories come back to me every day, I have you know vivid dreams. I have flashbacks, and I thought I was gonna you know be safe, but I wasn't because I was put in the hand of another pedophile. Right, and. And he started doing those things to me. He started fondling in my panties. And he started placing my foot on his penis till he masturbated and doing those things. But my voice was muted. And I was scared. And I was scared to speak out ever again. Because I never wanted that on me that if I told somebody, I would be called a liar again when I knew I told the truth. uh. Uh-huh. But and I, I think it's only natural. Out. I think it's only natural for you to feel that you're gonna feel safe with another, like with your aunt. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that because you honestly thought that. Who would have thought that that would have happened at your aunt's house that you've probably been going to for those five years or six years? Right. I, you always had a good time over there. Right. Like because we would be at my great grandmother's house. And- up, it just family gatherings, you know, how families got together, get together, and everything. But, um, it just how, and that's the, that's actually the first time I've ever said that on the podcast. Ever the first time I've ever said that. It's how I guess I'm trying to ask because, like, you know, I've been through like a lot of things that's like very traumatizing when I was a child. and, and No, I didn't notice, but like uh, memory blockage is real. And like, I realized when I was going through therapy that I had, I guess as a child and I got older, I blocked certain things that happened to me. So I don't remember unless I see something or if something reminds me of that incident. I'm like, oh my God, how did I forget that? Like, do you ever go through that? Because I can only imagine certain things that you had to block out of your memory for you to push forward. Yes, I go, Yes, a lot. Um, because there's a lot of things that were blocked out and didn't come up until I got ooh, way later on in my teenage, even in like my 20 years. And actually, there was a moment today that I seen a house that reminded me of a house, right? That, you, you know, and yeah, like that moment right there, I hadn't been thinking about that, but when I seen that house. That it reminded me of a same house where I had been where one of the men had been taking me to and having sex with me this is the grandson right the corner store the owner yes that's the corner store the, the neighborhood the candy store grandson he had been taking me to like different people houses to have sex with me and I actually seen a house today and I had a flashback mm remind y'all you were 11 years old and this man was in his 30s and he would come to your own house and sneak you out the window sneak me out the window he would knock and pick at the window sometimes i could feel him like at the window i felt somebody i felt something you felt his presence yes like that black shadow was there say my god my god yeah, and it's just like for me, like I, I guess this was like, oh, I, I'm just like you know, especially when it comes to black and brown kids, because like I just feel like they're just not protected as they should be, and so much happened to us that people just be like, well, why didn't you say nothing? Are you sure it was physical abuse? And it's like, why would I lie? Like, <laughs> I have nothing to say. Right? The you don't have nothing. Right? <laughs> you get know what I'm saying? And it makes me so angry because, like, in your book, you spoke about how you know your aunt read your diary, so there was proof. Or these people, like we spoke about earlier, people would see you with these different men. And I'm pretty sure you was displaying some of the signs of a child that's been sexually abused. So it's just like, why is nobody protecting these kids? Right. Why was nobody saying anything? Why was nobody? Because it was there. People were seeing it. People just never said anything about it. And I guess they did not expect me to get to the age I am now. I'm 33, I spoke out when I was 31 to say something, but I guess they wanted me to stay muted for the rest of my life, and, but nobody ever said anything, it was there. And there was also a situation where he took you to the motel and the police was called, Yeah, and they almost didn't find you. Yes. That's right, because he had placed me in between the mattress and the box spring. I was just that little. I was about a pencil size, wearing a size zero in clothes, and I was 11 years old. Came there looking for me, knocking at the door, and I said it was nobody but the grace of God, because he had placed the room in one of his friends' name, And so in case if the police had come looking for me, they wouldn't know what room to find me in. Mm. And he was just about to have sex with me. The only thing kept him from having sex with me was the police knocking at that door. What made the police lift up the mattress? One of the police looked under the bed. You know, people always look under the bed. That's the first place they look. And they were about to leave. And I said it was nobody but God. Because people usually do, do not look under a mattress right right I've never known anybody to pull up a mattress to see if somebody is under a mattress because the he had the cover on the bed and everything and the, it had to it was nobody but God because that's where he. the police found me at the police. they said they were leaving and one officer said hold on and he lifted up the mattress and there I was under the mattress. Mm. He told, the man told me not to say anything. Just lie there and be still. So what so happened when y'all spirit. went to the police? Yeah, so what happened when y'all went to the police station? Well, we went to the police station. He was already there because I was taken to the hospital, you know, examined, rape kit done and everything, and then I went to the police station they questioned me and asked me if he had sex with me I told him no but he was about to have sex with me and they said since he did not have sex with me they could not keep him and so he was let go they found a pubic string of hair on you know he had been on me his body on my body and and they, they let him go they released him I, I don't understand how old. is that even possible when y'all not related at all and you, you were supposed to be in school, so something should have been done, right? Right. Nothing was done. Nothing was... No charges were ever pressed on him and my aunt said she always told me to leave that man alone. but right. I was just a kid and he was a grown man. I was 11 years old and he was in his 30s. And, and it, it's now in my 30s. And he was already in his 30s. Yeah, that's crazy. And he also gave you an STD at 11. Yes, he gave me. I ended up with Trigamongous several times. Several times I ended up with it. Not knowing what it was. I just knew that I just kept, you know, I just kept burning. My vagina just kept burning. And so I was taken to the doctor and I was told that I had trigger mongers. I didn't know what these things were. Of course not. You're eleven years old. I don't even think you probably even go through puberty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's crazy because I went through my cycle started when I was eleven years old. I don't know if it was before. men had been my body had been tampered with and I don't know if it was right thrown off balance or what. But I started my cycle at eleven years old. And, um, he was having sex with me when I was 11 years old. So from the age of five and the incest and then when I was nine, one of my auntie's boyfriends started having sex with me and he passed away. And then when I was 11 years old, you know, this man that we're talking about now, he started having sex with me and he ruptured my anus and he just did all kind of horrible things to my body. And yeah. I thought maybe him being caught that would stop him from, you know, messing with me. I thought maybe someone would say something. Somebody would press charges on this man. But nobody didn't. And my dad said he didn't know any of this was going on because he would have pressed charges and people would in jail. And I believe my dad that he would have. But I just felt like my dad gave up on me when I got pregnant and did not abort my baby. This concludes part one of this week's episode. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please make sure to email me at hello at thephdpodcast.com. And until next time, everyone, later.